Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, and welcome to Quantumly Nourished. I'm your host, Nicole Hartman, and I'm flying solo today. First solo show, so I'm all you got today. (laughs) So I wanted to start off by talking about what is Quantumly Nourished. And Quantumly Nourished is the idea of we are nourishing ourselves down to the smallest levels, you know, socially, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, all of that. We are using it to our well-being. But in this conversation, children need to be included. Because I don't know if you've noticed or not, but, you know, the outcomes of children, the projected outcomes of children's wellness is not so good for the future. So today, specifically, I somehow always end up talking about food. I don't know how. I think I'm just really fascinated by food because it's like you take something that you can even grow yourself and you take something that has grown under the light of the sun and then you can cultivate it with your own hands and then change it into something with your own hands that was made out of love and then serve it to the people that you love. So I don't know. I think about that kind of stuff a lot. I know, crazy. But anyway, I wanted to talk about the current eating habits of our youth, especially our preteens and our teenagers, because it is not good. So unfortunately, we seem to have normalized this age group's eating behaviors, right? Like somehow it has become normal to have candy for breakfast, right? Or to just have access to candy all throughout the day. It's also become normal to have energy drinks. Why does a middle schooler need energy drinks? I mean, honestly, as an adult, I don't even need an energy drink. I drink coffee because I like the taste of coffee, not because I need the energy or the caffeine from it. And also involuntarily fasting, right? And I can't say that as a preteen teenager that, you know, I was sure to sit down and have, you know, a solid breakfast every morning. I mean, half the time I was running to the school bus with my shoes untied and my hair wet, right? Um, That just, I I feel like, you know, the middle school preteen teenager time, it's definitely seems like a time of chaos, right? I mean, there's a lot going on with them mentally, physically, emotionally. So as parents, It is time for us to step in a little bit, right? And we just try to navigate these waters as best as we can. And ultimately, this does come from a place of love because we are trying to set them up for a lifetime of wellness and not a lifetime of sickness. So 
let's get into the main part of this. And the reason for my podcast today is based on the fact that preteens and teens, well, actually it starts before puberty. So it's really basically that prepubescent to puberty, through puberty, we see that they are experiencing a time of insulin resistance, right? Especially females. Females, we're just so sensitive to this world, right? I mean, we have a lot going on, a lot of hormonal activity, some extra organs. Not to say that males don't, but we just have a lot going on. But I am speaking to males too. But we have this insulin resistance, and it's probably due because of the increase in these hormones, right? Because insulin is a growth hormone, and puberty is the second and the final growth spurt, you know, with the birth to one being the largest. And insulin resistance, if you don't know, it is that impaired response of the body to insulin. So it's not being absorbed fully. And it results in high levels of glucose in the blood. And of course, that can have its that's negative impact as well, you know, on the heart, on the eyes, um, on the vascular system, like all of that kind of stuff is affected. I mean, it leads to tiredness and all of it. It can make you feel sick. So this all stemmed from a conversation that I was having with our son's endocrinologist. And we were talking about insulin needs over the years because I was just kind of curious, like, what does it look like as kids get older? And, you know, we're in a unique unique position with our child having type 1 diabetes. And so you kind of get that, that upfront feel of blood sugar and what does blood sugar respond to? What does it not? Or what does insulin respond to? What does it not? And she was obviously talking about, you know, this age group, lot larger need of insulin. And uh, she was comparing it then to those kids who are kind of out of college age and they'll come in and they're like, oh my gosh, my, my blood sugar just keeps tanking. You know, I just low blood sugar after low blood sugar. Well, it's because they are through puberty and they have become less insulin resistant at that time. So they don't need as much insulin in order to maintain their everyday life. But this got me thinking, right? So if we have kids who are in this time of greater insulin resistance, right? They are pumping out insulin due to hormones, right? I just think that if we continue these eating trends, you know, candy for breakfast, high sugary cereal for breakfast, and we continue that through puberty and into adulthood, I really feel like we are setting them up for extreme failure because after puberty, those insulin levels should normalize right? It should normalize. But if I come out of that puberty time and I am still eating that way and still consuming sugar out the wazoo and just processed foods and I'm not overweight, or if I am, 
I feel like we're just setting kids up at the age of, you know, 18, 19, 20, 21 to already be pre-diabetic and if not type 2 diabetic already, which goodness gracious has its own issues with it, right? So again, we're trying to really set them up for success. We want them to be healthy because they are the future. I hope that makes sense. So again, I wouldn't I wouldn't propose a problem without a solution. So here's some simple solutions that we have really tried to figure out um, with having a type one diabetic, but with also having four girls, because I see having four girls as a huge responsibility, like huge. Like I think about this often because I know that and again, it doesn't dismiss males because obviously chew to tango and I need uh, I need healthy sperm and I need a healthy egg, right? And I need both of them to be healthy. But when you realize with females that females, the mom passes the mitochondria to their children, my goodness, does that put a huge precipice on the health of our females. So here we go. First solution. All right. So this is just, these are the the ideas that I've come up with. So first, and these are researched ideas. I don't want you to think that I'm just like arbitrarily thinking about things here. So first, this is going to sound a little insensitive, but it's time for parents to be the responsible ones. Again, I know that sounds insensitive, but ultimately you buy the food for the house. You determine whether your child sits there and looks on their device endlessly, especially at night, right? I used to have this conversation with my students when I was teaching, and we would have these, you know, these lessons on nutrition. And ultimately, every single time, because it was only like a once or twice a year kind of thing that we had to talk about it, you'd always have a student say, well, I want to eat those foods, but my parents won't buy them for me. And so, you know, you're kind of stuck because as the parent, we do realize that you are the ones that bring the food into the home. I get it. And second, I do understand that school is its own beast. You aren't there to see what your kid does at school. However, we are constantly having this conversation with children about our health, not to the point that it causes like a disordered eating. But to the point of, I know what I should and shouldn't be eating. Like, I don't ever want to come across as saying that, oh, we never have that or we never do this. We dessert, you know, once or twice a week. It's usually made at home, though, right? Unless we go out for ice cream. But we're just trying to create a balance because blood sugar does matter. And not to mention processed food does matter. And ultimately, to finish off this number one thing here is I know or to know that anytime my kids are at home, they are going to have three nourishing meals, right? Cereal can no longer be a nourishing meal. And I'll talk about that later. But I know that they can have three nourishing meals. They can have a good breakfast, a good lunch, and a good dinner. 
something to think about. Second, let's utilize sunlight. And we can utilize it in two ways. First, we are looking at morning light, that sunlight, because that morning light sets off an entire cascade of hormonal production in the body. It's just what it does. And it has that beautiful healing red and infrared light in the body. And so we need to be making contact with our eyes and our skin. I know it's more difficult in the winter with that sunlight to be able to begin those hormonal processes, right? And so obviously here we are looking at the cortisol response, which does have the effect on blood sugar among all the other hormones that are involved in this, which we'll talk about at another day. And the second way to utilize sunlight is we change our perspective on using food and looking at food as condensed sunlight. So that comes in the form of food from our local area, right, at the time of year, because food isn't available all year. But my gosh, if I would rather you eat, you know, a banana in the winter than Doritos in the winter, because processed food is the absence of light, right? There is no light in processed foods. So just trying to get more of those whole foods. And if we can, trying to get foods from farmers markets and talking to local farmers. And what a great thing to bring your kids along for that conversation as well. Now they know how to ask those questions to those farmers, like how were things grown? All of that kind of stuff. All right, third, get your kids moving. We know that exercise has an impact on blood sugar, right? Better yet, get yourself moving. And the best yet, Get moving together outside. Just the simple act of a daily walk. I mean, it totally revolutionized our family in being able to talk more, uh, lessening stress and anxiety. Um, You know the benefits of the outdoors. It helps with mood. It helps with the nervous system. And of course, if we can get some bare feet or touching anything, you know, a leaf, a bush, trees with our hands, we are getting those free electrons into our body, which helps to reduce inflammation in the body. All right, fourth, the conversation of artificial blue light. Now, I know that this is a difficult one just because you're dealing with teens and preteens, and it seems as if kids are getting access to devices at a much younger age every year, which is just beyond me. But again, that's a that's a topic for a whole other podcast. So I'll just just briefly go over this. You know that blue light, artificial blue light, has been shown to increase blood sugar. So even eating under blue light has potential to increase blood sugar, um, which is kind of difficult to think about. And because Oftentimes when kids are in school there, again, there are things we don't have control over. So again, that leads to let's have better food choices, even if they are at school. Blue light, especially at night, messes with cortisol, right? It also messes with melatonin production, which melatonin is needed to 
clean the body throughout the night. It is that hormone of darkness. We need melatonin. And if we don't, then of course, it's going to ruin our sleep, right? We're not going to sleep well. If we don't sleep well, then that also has a negative effect on insulin levels. So I really don't see any benefit to artificial blue light, especially at night. And again, this is kind of, I may sound insensitive, but as parents, we can control these things, right? Take away the phone at night, turn off the TV at night, or get those red light glasses or the, or the amber ones. Pretty simple things here. And then last, let's talk about breakfast. I had talked about that involuntary fasting. Let's have a well-balanced breakfast available for our kids. Again, cereal is, I don't, I don't, I don't have nice things to say about cereal. And I'm not going to lie and say we don't have cereal from time to time because hmm, kids need to feel normal, right? Sometimes they want to know what all of these things are in the grocery store. And unfortunately, most of the grocery store is processed food. But nonetheless, a well-balanced breakfast, one that is lending itself to protein and fat. Why? Because we are the most insulin resistant in the morning. And if we're already dealing with a population with these teens and preteens and even the prepubescent, the onset of pu- pre-onset of puberty, we are dealing with insulin resistance already. So feeding them these high sugary cereals and high sugary foods and high carbohydrate foods might not be the best thing right? So high blood sugar or high sugar breakfast equals more insulin being pushed out, but the body's not absorbing it. So those are just some simple solutions. And to talk about that last one on the well-balanced breakfast, something really quick. I don't want to say that kids don't need carbohydrates because they do. I mean, our daughter, who is almost a teenager, I'm pretty sure she grew two feet in the matter of a year, completely changed, and her appetite increased rapidly, and it seemed as if for months that she couldn't get enough food, like couldn't get enough food, and and sometimes kids just aren't drawn to want to eat, oh, I'll have more meat. No, usually they're going to want to go for like the potatoes, the high starchy vegetables, the good sourdough breads. Of course they are. They're, they need the carbohydrates, right? But strategy that we have used, and I don't want this to be taken as medical advice, but a strategy that we've used and we've seen some pretty good success with because we can, I have signs of balanced blood sugar, right? I don't have moodiness. We don't have things like that is that low-carb breakfast, and then we save the vast majority of carbohydrates for the next two meals. So just something to think about, because like like to bring it a full circle, we are talking about quantumly nourished, right? And we are applying it to our children, and we know that they aren't complicated. This is just a little more complicated little research area, right, with blood sugar. But we know that they need some really basic things, right? They need hugs. They need love. They need good food. 
They need good time and lots of time outside. Lots of sunshine, especially that morning light. And ultimately, they just want to be invited into your life to know that they are loved so that they too can love, right? We are sharing that light in so many forms. And today I just talked about light as food, right? From the beginning. So thanks for joining me on my first solo podcast. And I'm going to end it like I always do with just go outside. Have a good day.